Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from our special guest. Everybody good tonight? I, do you like it when God messes you up? Anybody? I don't like it because he was messing with I was sitting over the, you were leading singing and I'm, I'm leading the song and I'm, I'm going, I got a sermon, Lord, I got a sermon. He said, no, don't preach that one. I said, come on, Jesus. Ever, ever have that happen? You got your plan all laid out and he kind of at the last second just goes, Phew. And I don't like it when he does that because I like to be prepared. And he just just flipped the script on me while I was sitting there just a minute ago. So I'm going to go in a totally different dimension than I thought I was going in tonight. So we'll we'll see how this goes. We'll find out if that was the Lord or pizza. Um, Take your Bibles. If you got your Bibles, go to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. It's a story you're probably familiar with, and uh, it's something I've preached on before. It's not my first time I preach on it, but I'm going to approach it a little bit differently tonight than I have maybe in the past. Here's what I want to preach about tonight. I want to preach to you about make room for God. That'd be all right. How many of you are ready to make room for God? See, because what happens is when you make room for God, God shows up. And when he shows up, as we say in the South, he shows out. And he begins to do things in dimensions and in manners that we haven't seen before and that we haven't experienced before. And so let's just pray together and let's just ask the Holy Spirit to prepare us to receive. And uh, let's see what God's going to speak tonight. Can we do that? Father, we thank you tonight. I thank you for these wonderful people. I thank you for this great church and what you're doing in Hardin County and this surrounding area. God, we just open our hearts to you tonight and say, come, come and touch us, come and fill us, come and empower us, minister to us, I pray. Speak a word to us tonight, Lord. Speak, would you just ask him that? Just ask him to speak a word to you tonight. Just ask him, Lord, just speak a word to me tonight. I need to hear your voice. I need to hear your word. I need to know what you're saying in this moment. So we just say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I just say thank you today. Come on, let's just let's just hang here a minute. I, I just sense the presence, Lord. Pastor AJ mentioned a while ago. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Just speak to us tonight, Lord. Let us know your voice. Let us hear you. How many of you just need God to touch you tonight? You say, I just need something special tonight. Would you just hold your hand up? Just, just hold it up. Now, would you just stand? We've, we're just going to go with what I'm feeling in this moment, okay? Just stand up where you are. Now, just let's, just let's just expect him to do something right now, okay? We don't have to come to the front. I may do that, but I'm not at this point feeling that. Let's just, let's just reach out to him. Father, we just ask you right now to come. Every person who has a need tonight, that you would just touch them, that you would empower them, that you would strengthen them tonight, that your grace and your glory would settle upon them, God. That they would sense the presence of the Lord right now. God, we're just making room for you tonight. We're just saying, come, 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 Holy Spirit. Come, presence of God. Lord, your presence can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. You can heal, you can deliver, you can encourage, you can set people free tonight break us out of our lethargy tonight. You can put a new purpose down inside of us tonight. So we just make room, Holy Spirit. We just make room. We just make room. Just come. Just come and touch us. Come and empower us tonight. Come and fill us tonight. We just receive. We just receive right now. Thank you. Just allow the Lord to minister. Thank you, AJ. Wow, there's something in the room. You feel that? It's not something I did. It's something he's doing. So we just need to be pretty, pretty on target with that right now. And uh, just hear his voice and know what he's speaking. I'm very seldom at a loss for words, but maybe I am right now a little bit. The book of 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, is a story, and I'll just set it up. We're not going to read a lot. We'll read some as we get into it. 
It's about Elisha and, and what we refer to as the Shunammite woman. And what you find about this is that you find that Elisha stops to stop in as he's on his way going back and forth to do ministry and to be the prophet of the nation that he is. And one day the Shunammite woman looks at her husband and says, we need to, we need to take care of the man of God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to build a room for him. And so that any time that Elisha passed by, he would stop in. He'd have a place to stay. They'd take care of him. They'd feed him on and on and on. And so one day Elisha looks at his servant and says, what can we do for this family? What can we do for this woman? And the word of God talks about, it says that the servant said, well, uh, they don't have any children and, and um, I think they'd like to have a child. And so, uh, and again, I've, I've worked this out on many occasions. So I'm not going there tonight, but this, the scripture says that he calls her to himself and says, uh, here's, here's what I want you to do. He said, God's going to give you a child. And she, and she basically said, don't mess with me. That's what she says. Don't, don't mess with me. I'm, you know, my, here's what she says. She said, my husband's old. All right, I'm not going to develop that because y'all are way too spiritual right now. And, uh, and, and Elisha says, no, this time next year you're going to have a baby. And she does. And so the, the process is that it goes forward. And so this, this baby grows into a little boy, and uh, the Bible talks about, and again, you probably know the story, that one day he's out with his father and says, my head, my head, and his father says, go to your mama. That's what all good dads do. When your child gets sick, you send him to his mama. So he goes to mom, and again, if you read the story, you know that what happens is that the, the boy dies. And... Um, and what's interesting to me, and this again, this is not what I'm going to talk about tonight, but what's interesting to me is, is all the way from the point of this, this mic is ringing, guys, if y'all work on it because it's bugging me, um, is that as, as she's going from the point that he dies until she gets to the prophet, she never one time says that I got a dead baby. All she says is, it is well. Now, I'm just going to throw this out. This is not what I'm going to talk about. But some of you need to quit talking your problem and start talking the solution. She just keeps saying it is well. Everybody she meets, it is well. I got a, bed, I got a dead baby. It is well. I, I got a dead situation. It is well. Things aren't going right. It is well. Why? Because even in the midst of your darkness, it is well. God's still there and God's still God. But what's interesting to me is, is that as we move on down in the text, and it's, it's a story that can be developed in so many ways, but when she finally gets to the man of God, uh, the first thing that happens is Gehazi tries to stop her from getting to Elisha, and Elisha says, no, 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 there's, she's trouble. Let her come to me. Let her talk to me. And she tells him at that point, um, did I ask for a son, my Lord? She said, verse 28, didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? And Elisha just says, and still at this point, she hasn't told him what's, what the deal is. So Elisha says, take my staff and go lay it on him, and uh, it's, everything's going to be all right. Well, as, as you know the story, it wasn't all right. So here, here's where we're going to jump into it tonight, okay? This, this may be a little different than normal, but we're going to go for it, all right? It says, Gehazi went on ahead, verse 31. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. Well, he's dead. Can I just talk to you? Sometimes people see things one way, but you see it another. 
Sometimes people say, well, it's not awakened, and you're going, no, it's dead. Sometimes, sometimes people speak to you, and they go, oh, there, there's still hope, and you go, no, there's not any hope. I know there's no hope. I know this thing is a dead situation. And, and so you have to understand where you are in your journey because sometimes if you don't, other people will try to talk you into or out of what it is that God's getting ready to do. And so you've got to be, you've got to be prepared for that. And so this verse 32 is where we're going to dig in. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in and shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, and he stretched himself out on him, and the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite, and he did, and when she came, he said, take your son. She came in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. Now, here's, here's where we've got to get tonight, all right? Because we're going to talk about making room for God. Here's where each of us have got to come to. And that is, is that no matter what is happening in your world, you've always got to make room for God to show up in the midst of that. And what we need to understand is that God shows up in ways that we're not expecting him to show up. We have presupposed how God should show up. <laughs> Anybody... Anybody but me tells God what I want him to do before he does anything? Am I the only one? Now, Lord, I got this problem. I got this need. I got this situation. And here's how you need to handle this. All right, I don't say it that way, but I kind of do. I, I kind of just put it out there and say, okay, God, here's the problem. Here's the situation. Here's the difficulty. Here's the trouble. Here's the trial. And if you just show up and do this, everything would be all right. And yet what happens is, is that God doesn't move the way that we want him to. And let me throw this out at you. And when he doesn't, we get disappointed. And we think that God's not doing anything because he's not doing it the way that we want him to do it. Instead of us, instead of us understanding, we just need to make room for God. We just need to back up and not try to dictate how he's going to answer in the moment what it is that you and I are needing. Because I may need, I may think I need this, and God says, no, 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 what you really need is this. But if I presuppose what it is that God is going to do, then when he shows up differently, then I get disappointed, and I'll go back to what I preach Sunday, and then I get bitter, and then I can't receive what it is that God's up to in the moment because I didn't really make room for him because I just wanted him to do what I wanted him to do. So here's my question to you. If you're taking notes, you might write this down. What do you do when what God promised you shows up differently than you expected? I'll just say that again. What do you do when what God promised you, I pro God promised her a son, but a few years into the son, he dies. So what do you do in that moment when it shows up differently than you expect it to do? So I'm going to give you the answer to that, all right? Here's, here's the first thing that you do is you get over it. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm not being mean. It says, then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. He got over it. Don't miss it. He got over the situation. 
He laid on top of the situation. He See, we, we've got to understand that when we're going through a difficulty, that sometimes the greatest thing we can do is get over it. And yes, we can get over it in the way, let's come on, let's do something else. But also, I'm going to get over this situation. I, I'm not going to allow this situation to dictate to me. I'm going to get over it. How many times have you heard, well, how you doing? Well, okay, under the circumstances. And yet what he does is in this moment is that the man of God gets over the situation. And, and what he does is, is that he begins to do something. It's interesting to me what he does. The, the scripture says he, he lays on top. Now, th this is weird as all get out. It's a strange thing, but prophets are strange, okay? And it says that he, he got on the bed, he lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, and he stretched himself out on him, and the boy's body grew warm. And that's, it's just interesting to me when, when you look at this. What, what we need to understand is this, is that when you're getting over things, what you have to do, the way that you mostly get over things is by the word of your mouth. The way that you got under things was by the word of your mouth. Well, I can't believe this happened to me. I can't believe I'm having to go through this. I can't believe God didn't show up the way that I wanted to. And so your mouth is declaring things. And so now all of a sudden, instead of you dominating, you're being dominated. And yet God says, no, 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 make room for me. Let me get involved here. Let me get. But what you've got to do is that you've got to get over it. You've got to come into that place where now that, that you're speaking things. Here's, here's what I want to say to you. If your faith won't move your mouth, then your faith won't move your mountain. I want this mountain gone. Well, but your mouth is saying otherwise because your faith is coming out. That of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what we're saying is negating what we're telling everybody to pray for us. Well, I want you to pray for me. I got this situation. I got this. But then everything we say about the situation is negative. Everything we talk about is negative. And so we're, we're believing, oh, I'm going I'm to move the mountain. But, but my faith, my mouth is saying otherwise, and I'm not speaking the words of faith that God has given to me. I'm not declaring what it is that God has spoken into my spirit. And, and so what, what we need to do is, is that our, the Bible says he put mouth to mouth. We, we need to allow God to get over us and allow the mouth of God to get over our mouth and to keep us from saying the things that we've been saying. Okay, I tell you, we're going to dig in this one. All right? You are snared by the words of your mouth. There's power of life and death in the tongue. All those scriptures are true. We've got to come to that place where we understand that God creates by words. When God got ready to create in the very beginning of time, God said, let there be and there was. Let there be and there was. And you read the book of Genesis, the first chapter, and you see, and God says, and God said, and God said, and God said. Over and over and over again. And here's what it also says. It says, and God said, and then it says, and God saw. Am, am, I, am, I, am I digging too deep for you? You see what you say because you are created in the image and in the likeness of God. 
you are given the same attributes that God has. You are a spirit being. God is a spirit being. And because of that, the Word of God says that you can declare a thing, and it is so. And so there's a need for us to understand that what's happening here is that there, there's a creative process that happens when, when we get over our situation. See, here's, how many of you know people who worry? None of you, but you know somebody who does. Come on, raise your hand. You know, you know somebody who worries. It's not you, but you know somebody. Here's, here's what worry is. Worry is celebrating the plan of the enemy. That's all it is. Worry is celebrating the plan of the enemy. It's, it's, it's just carrying it on, talking about it, putting it out there. And, and so what we've got to do is that we've got to come to the place, and we sang about it a little bit tonight. That's kind of what threw me in this whole thing was your song messed me up while I'm sitting there, all right? Because I had a really good homiletically exegetical sermon to preach, and now I'm up here doing this. Uh, and and, and but, but what happens is, is that, that we, we allow the enemy to steal our worship. And, and we don't understand that, that we have to worship God in the midst of, if you want a miracle. We sing about miracles, but I'm not going to get a miracle if I don't worship God in the midst of tragedy. See, here, here's something you have to understand. Worship is the one thing that God can't do. God can't worship. Why? Because you only worship that which is greater than you are. There is none that is greater than God. So the one way to get God's attention above everything else is to do the one thing that God can't do, and especially when you're in the midst of tragedy and you're in the midst of struggle and you're in the midst of difficulty, you just say, wait a minute, I'm going to go ahead and worship. And when I worship, something begins to come out of my mouth and as it begins to come out of my mouth, it gets the attention of heaven, and all of heaven stops and takes note because now God can begin to do something with my worship because the Bible says that he inhabits the praises, the worship of his people. But we have to be willing to not just get in the midst of our difficulty and focus on the difficulty. It's, it's interesting to me some things that, that happens here. The, the, did, you, did you notice? I'll back up here. Watch, watch what it says. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in and shut the door. Sometimes you got to shut the door. Sometimes you got to keep people away from you. Sometimes you can't have your best peeps running with you. Sometimes you don't need anybody else around but somebody who's filled with faith. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you don't need to tell anybody what you're going through because if you tell them what you're going through, they're going to make the situation worse because they don't have any faith. And sometimes what you need to do is just go in and shut the door and get over your problem and just say, I'm going to get right over this problem today and I'm not going to tell anybody else about what's going on. She wasn't telling anybody what the problem was until she got to the solution. And the solution was the man of God. And when she gets to him, then she says, this is what's going on. And the man of God gets there and watch what he does. He shuts the door. He doesn't want anybody else involved because he knows that if you get the wrong people, I mean, watch Jesus. Jesus shows up at the, at the little girl's house and everybody's weeping and wailing and carrying on. And he said, shut up, get away. And he pushed them all out and he takes in the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he goes into where the, ba the little girl is and he speaks life to her. Why? Because even Jesus knew that that if you get the wrong kind of people in the room, 
that even Jesus himself can't perform a miracle. Well, I don't believe that. Well, go read the Bible. I'm not trying to be rude. Go read the Bible. The Bible says he goes to his hometown and he could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. You get enough unbelief in the room, it doesn't matter what the situation is, and it doesn't matter who the man or the woman of God is that walks into the room. If there's unbelief in there, they are not going to be able to flow in what it is that God wants to do. So sometimes when you're going through something, the best thing you can do is shut the door and just keep it to yourself and get over it and begin to allow the breath of God to come out of you. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the pneuma. It is the breath of God Almighty that comes into us. The Scripture says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, all that. Then it says he comes to man, he forms it out of the dust of the earth, and then the Scripture says, and God breathed, pneuma, there's the same word, into Adam, and Adam became a living creature. Now, the same word is in the Hebrew, also in the Greek, it is this, means the same thing. When the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, there was a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were assembled. Go back and read in John. The Bible says that he meets together with the disciples, and Jesus breathes on them and says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. A few days later, the wind comes from heaven, and they receive the Holy Spirit. The breath of God is now down inside of us. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you now have the breath of God. And when that breath of God is released, and how do I release that? I release that through my words. When my anointed words, when my anointed words go forth, they bring life. When the, the here's, I'll give you more. I'm, oh, oh, help me, Jesus. The Bible says this. It says that the angels of God go forth to perform the words of God. So watch what happens. There, there's, a, there's a correlation here between the words of man and the words of, of God. When I speak as a human, when I speak my own intellect, I'm speaking the words of man. It's a carnal word. When that happens, here's, here's what takes place. When I speak carnal words, the angelic host of hell is now given power to go forth and perform. The, the devil does not have power over you as a believer. Once you become a Christian, once you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, the devil, the host of hell, does not have power over you. The only power that they have is the power as a believer that you give them. The only way that I give them power is by what I speak. I'll, I'll, I'll mess your world up even further. It's not even when you sin. Why? Because I'm saved. Uh-oh. Where are my Baptist people? Come on, Baptists. Hang in here with me for a minute. All right? When, I'm, I'm saved. So because I sinned, I didn't kick out of the family. I'm still part of the family. Right? I'm still part of the I'm still God's son. I'm, I'm still an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I just did something stupid, but I'm still God's son. All right? But what happens is, is that because of what I'm saying, because I'm speaking from a carnal perspective, now the enemy has something he can work with, and he begins to operate and begins to bring destruction into my life. If that is true, then when I speak mouth to mouth, when I speak what God says, about the situation, when I allow the Holy Spirit to speak through me, and instead of speaking my intellect, I speak what it is God is saying, 
then all of a sudden now the angels of God are released to go, go forth and perform the words of God. So that's why it's important sometimes not to say anything until you know what you need to say. Because it's in that moment, mouth to mouth, that you're going to see God begin to do stuff. And i got to hurry because i got to get to eyes and hands and all kind of stuff. All right? All right, so let's talk about eyes. All right? The Scripture says mouth to mouth. So that's, that's the first aspect. But, but it says eyes to eyes. See, here's, here's the deal. Before you can step out in the faith, you have to see faith. You have to see before you see. No, Okay. All right, let's prove it. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But I have to see them before I can see them. I have to get eyes to eyes. I had to get mouth to mouth, but now i got to get eyes to eyes. Now I've got to see what it is that God sees. So the man of God is laying upon this child, and as he is laying upon this child, the man of God is seeing what God can do. Everybody else saw what man could do, and that was nothing. See, in the situations that we face in our, our lives, we, we find ourselves struggling because we, see, we think we're from Missouri. Anybody from Missouri? Bless God, we're from the show-me state. All right? And we, we, we even say things like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. No, 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 you have to see it to believe it. See, you, okay, I'll prove it. How many of you, ever, how many of you have, ever, have ever built a house or a building or something? Ever built, built anything? All right, I mean something substantial. I don't mean a chicken coop out in the backyard. I don't mean your dog house. All right, I mean something big. All right, Here, here's what has to happen. Okay, I've built umpteen buildings through the years. And here's what has to happen is I have to see it before I see it. And I have to see it before the architect can see it. All right? I'll, I'll tell you, on, the first, on our first building in, in Jackson, when, when we got ready, I hired Lifeway Architects out of Nashville. Out of, I hired Southern Baptist Architects. I figured, why not? Okay? And, uh, and so the guy came in, and he, he had all these ideas, and I said, nope, 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 nope. And if you've ever been to our campus in Jackson, you know, right across the street is, uh, you know, Fort God Baptist. I mean, it's just a huge Baptist, typical looking. I'm not, don't, don't even Baptists get mad at pastor, all right? Uh, it's just a typical Baptist church. And so we, walk, we, were, we were walking on the property, and I said, look over there. I said, I, I said, you see that? He said, yeah, is that what you want to build? I said, no. <laughs> I said, I don't want anything to look like that. He said, well, what do you want? I said, get in the car. I took him to Starbucks. <laughs> not joking. I took him to Starbucks. I said, I want it designed like this. I had to see it before he could see it. And he drew it, and he came back and said, this is what you're looking at? I said, no, here, you, you, it's still too Baptist looking. I, don't, don't judge what I'm saying. I'm glad this is not being sent out anywhere, all right? Uh, I said, it's, it's, it's not, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. So we sat down, and I said, okay, here's, here's what I want. And, and, I, said, and I, said, when, I, said, I said, hey, let, I'm trying to remember his name, Steve Newton. I said, Steve, here's, here's what I want to... I said, I want it to look like a mall. He's like, a mall? Y'all all right? He, I said, yeah. He said, why do you want to look like a mall? I said, because I'm not trying to reach religious people. I said, religious people will go across the street. 
I said, I'm trying to reach people who want to go to the mall. And he goes, oh, I can do that. If you drive by our building, it kind of looks like a mall. All right? But I had to see it. Am I making sense? I had to see it before I saw it. And then he had to draw it before we saw it. And, that, and that's what has to happen in the, in the spiritual dynamics of your life is that you, you have to get over it. You have to speak, breathe into it, and then you have to see it. And, and you, you actually see success twice. You see success in the spirit, and then you see success in the natural. You see it inside you first, and then you see it outside of you second. And it's the only way that it's going to come into your life. It's the only way that you and I are going to fully live out the John 10, 10 life that Jesus talks about is when we begin to operate on the principles of I've got to see what nobody else is seeing and I've got to say what nobody else is saying. And when you begin to operate with that, then what you're doing is, is that you're making room for God to show up and to come into your life. And, and so here's, here's the deal about, about vision, because that's what we're talking about. Vision is living in the tension of living in what you see naturally and what God showed you. That's what vision is, is I see this, but I know this is what God said. Again, back to Jackson. When I went to Jackson, I was told over and over and over and over. I'm telling, oh, I don't know how many times I was told, you can't build a large spirit-filled church in Jackson. It's not going to happen. It's never happened. The biggest spirit-filled church that Jackson had ever had was about 500 people. You cannot do it. And I just knew what God had said. I knew what God had spoken to me in Chicago, Illinois, at midnight one night, and I wrote it down on a piece of paper, and I said, I know what you're saying, and I hear you, and you're really a nice guy or a nice gal, but I don't believe you. I mean, I didn't say it quite that way, but I just went, okay, thank you, and just kept doing what I, because you, you had, I had to see what God said, and I couldn't let anybody divert me from what God said. So I'll just ask you a question. What is it that God told you that you let other people talk you out of? Because God has given you a dream. God has given you a vision. God has spoken into your life. God has told you some things. And what happens is, is because of what we see in the natural, we allow ourselves to be talked out of it because somebody comes along and says, well, you can't do that. You can't, you can't fulfill this. This is never going to happen for you. And yet what I've got to do and what you've got to do is, is that we, we, we've got to understand that, that when we come to this moment, here's, here's what I would say to you. God calls us to create. But to create things, you've, you've got to close your eyes. Because as long as you're looking at the circumstance around you, you're going to let the circumstances affect you. And sometimes the best thing you can do is just close yourself away with God and say, God, I know what everybody else is thinking. I know what everybody else is saying. I know what the situation is. I, I know what's taking place around me. I know everybody's saying, you know, the economy's jacked up. I know this, that, and the other. But, God, I know what you said. And so I'm going to live out. I'm going to make room for you in this moment, and I'm going to live out what you've called me to create. See, you, you, you've got to understand, what you and I see in the natural is the opposite of faith. I, I don't have to have faith to know this podium is here. But if I couldn't see this podium, my Bible were floating here tonight, you'd have some faith. Right? I mean, you look up here and go, well, he's got his Bible on the podium. But if my Bible were just floating in midair, you go, hmm, he's doing something. 
I believe I'm going to get healed, and I believe I'm going to get delivered, and I'm going to believe why. Because all of a sudden, you've moved into a different dimension. And that's what God is calling us to do, is he's calling us to move into this different dimension. And, and so we, we've got mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, and then the Bible says hands to hands. You're not going to like this part. I don't know you like the other part, but you're not going to like this. Hands represent work. James says, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. See, we've we've got all kind of people waiting at home for Jesus to show up and do something. And Jesus said, go out. Jesus said, go you and all the world. Jesus said, get out there and do something. Right? Well, we're just believing it's going to happen. No, no, no. You've got to do something to get it to happen. All right? It's, it's, It's kind of the bottom line here is that in all of our lives, we've got to learn how to live out our faith. And the way that I live out my faith is by what I do. And if I don't do anything, then I'm showing that I don't really have faith, that I'm really living in a moment where now I'm doing what I want to do, not what God wants me to do. See, here's the deal. Come play. Come come on, come on, come play. It'll make them feel better. See, God's resources come to you when you touch what God tells you to. When God says, do this, and you go and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Back, I don't know, two and a half years ago now, whatever, when God spoke to me about getting debt-free church-wide, it didn't make sense. When Prophet Lloyd spoke that word in Adamsville and said, you're going to be debt-free, it did not make sense. Because I was standing there thinking, I'm getting ready to go into about a $4 million building process. What do you mean we're going to be debt-free? but I believe the word of the prophet because the Bible says believe the prophets and you'll prosper and so I believe the word of the prophet I said I don't know how this is going to happen but I'm just going to begin to declare we're going to be debt free and within about 13 to 14 months every campus was completely debt free wasn't because of me it's because of what the word of the prophet spoke but I was just crazy enough to believe the word of the prophet so again, it's, it's that whole aspect there of doing what it is that God calls us to do. See, here, here's what we need to understand is that our fruitfulness is tied to our discomfort. Did you hear me? Your fruitfulness is tied to your discomfort. If you're comfortable, you're never really ever going to step into your destiny. It's... It's just the way most churches operate. Most churches want comfort. And I don't know how many of you are new, but I'll just help you. You are not in a house of comfort. As long as I'm alive and preaching, I'm going to push you. Some of you have been around a long time. I see you've been with me a long time, and you know I'm telling you the truth. I've been pushing you. I, I, Angie and I were talking the way over here. This, this Sunday, first Sunday of March, 1984, I preached my first sermon in Adamsville. The first Sunday of April, I was the pastor. So I've been doing this in what's now called Love and True Church for 40 years. And I was pushing then, and I'm pushing now. Because 
there's too much God wants us to do to get comfortable. Somebody said, you getting ready to retire? I said, heck no. I had a few other words, but I couldn't say them. No, I'm not retiring. Don't even look for it. Don't want to don't want a chair. Don't want to go fishing. Don't want to go sit in a deer stand. Pastor AJ. I, I, I just I could care less about any of that. I want to see what God's gonna do. I'm asking God, can I tell you how crazy I am? I'm asking God in the next 10 years to see more than I've seen the last 40. I really am. I'm saying, God, in 10 years, give me more than I've seen in 40. And I'm just crazy enough to believe he's going to do it. But see, you, you got to get uncomfortable sometimes. Are you comfortable just coming to church? Are you comfortable just going through the same old, same old? Well, here's, here's what happens. The closer you get to receiving what God has, the hotter it gets. You remember that game we used to play and somebody hide something and we'd go cold or hot? And the closer you got to the answer, what? The hotter it was? That's the way it is in the Spirit. The closer you get to the answer that God has, whatever you're believing God. How many of you believe in God for some stuff? You, got, you believe in God? All right, hear me. The closer you get to the answer, the hotter it's going to get. The, the, the more the fight's going to come. The more people are going to withstand you. The more things are going to happen that doesn't make sense. And you just go, wait a minute. I, I know there's a fire burning, but that's okay because I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep going. Because guess what happened? The, the Bible says that his body got warm. Why? Because there's an answer coming. He's not alive yet, but his body's got warm. See, when you get close to what it is that God's going to do, heat starts happening body starts getting warm something begins to take place and you go wait a minute what is it that God's up to and and I, and I love what he does and I don't have time to talk about all this but but he is here's, here's, here's what I know is, is the word of God says he gets up and walks around now here's my interpretation it doesn't tell us my interpretation is he's saying okay God now what I've done everything I know to do now what and and if you're not careful in that moment what happens is, is that the background noise gets so loud that you miss the still small voice of the Lord. All the stuff is going on out here. I, I guarantee you by that time, the neighbors have come, the family's all there, everybody's out there, they're talking, and they're probably crying, all this stuff's going. And if the man of God focuses on what he's hearing, he can't hear what he needs to hear. And so he's got to make room. And so he's up walking around saying, okay, God, what is it that you're going to do? What is it that you're speaking in this moment? And here's what I know. Sometimes when it doesn't work the first time, you just got to try again. That's what he did. Well, the body's getting warm, but still not where we need to be. All right, let's try again. Let's do it again. The story's told about Smith Wigglesworth. If you've never read anything about Smith Wigglesworth, you ought to read it. Smith Wigglesworth went to a funeral home. I cannot, he went with a pastor. I cannot imagine that pastor's reaction. Any of you read this story? All right, it's you again. Smith Wigglesworth goes in, and I can't remember the exact number of times, but he felt God speak to him and said, that man's going to get out of the casket. 
Wigglesworth reaches in, pulls the guy out, puts him against the wall and says, walk, lets him go, and the guy falls down because he's dead. Right? Can you imagine that, Pastor? Come on. Come on. I'm standing there, and the prophet, the crazy guy's got somebody out of the casket. I am talking to the family. I don't know what he's doing. I'm sorry. We're going to handle this. We're going to get the undertakers to come back. We're going to fix them all up. We'll get the makeup. I mean, right? Come on. That, that's what I'm doing in that moment. And I think it was three times. I can't remember. It's like two or three times. He puts him back against the wall. Walk, falls back down. And on the third time, while, while again, in my mind, while the pastor is still explaining how we're going to fix this, the miracle takes place. And the guy walks. And he's brought back to life. And see, here's what I want to say to you is the God who did that for Smith Wigglesworth is still the same God. He's still able. And just because you've been through some tough times, and a lot of us have, just because we didn't get every answer we thought we should have gotten, doesn't mean we quit believing that he's still able, that he still can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think, according to the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work within us. That's what I want to say. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.